I'm Joanna Roach, and I'm with the Mariah Mitchell Association, and you are listening to The Nature of Nantucket. So today, I am speaking with Gail Walker, who is the founder of Nantucket Lights. Welcome, Gail. Hi, Joanna. Thanks for having me on. I am excited to talk to you because we are about to embark on a week of dark sky activities. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, um, coming up, uh, starting uh, April 22nd and going to April 30th is uh, International Dark Sky Week this uh, year. And that is a week that is uh, meant to be dedicated to um, paying tribute to our beautiful dark skies. Um, And so on Nantucket, what uh, Nantucket Lights is doing, um, along with Mariah Mitchell, um, is... um, we, we started, we, we came up with this um, initiative called uh, Nantucket Star Count. And it's a way for the whole community to participate, help us collect data on where our skies are the, are the darkest and where light pollution is a problem. Um, so this will go on for all week. And then at the end, we hopefully will have, if enough people participate, we'll, we'll, we'll have a good map of uh, light pollution. And, and where skies are still dark on Nantucket. Okay. Well, let's, um, let's get a little background information on all of this. So how, how did you come to start Nantucket Lights? Um, let's see. <laughs> I've been working on light pollution issues out in Sconset for about five years now. Um, after I retired from the Justice Department and was spending a lot more time in Sconset, I um, was elected to the board of the Civic Association. And one of the first issues that came up where they needed somebody to take the lead was um, light pollution and being new and, and uh, you know, uh, go-getter, I said, well, I'll, I'll take the lead on that. And it was dealing with um, the sort of more, uh, more, more typical light pollution issues uh, in terms of uh, just light trespass. People were complaining about street lights shining into the bedroom windows or neighbors' lights shining into the bedroom windows. And one thing led to the other, and I got very involved in the um, street light issues because the town was wanting to install some 4,000 Kelvin LED street lights in Sconset. Um, anyway, that so I was involved with just Sconset for a long time. And then um, the Nantucket Civic League learned about our activities and asked me to help uh, organize a public, uh, a, a Nantucket Civic League forum on light pollution, which I did for them. And that was held last March. And I really went into that thinking that, well, that would just inspire other neighborhood associations, neighborhood groups to take action in their own neighborhood. But um, the reaction to that was so positive, um, I was encouraged to start an island-wide initiative because some of the issues were, all, were so common, for the streetlights, for example. And so with um, really the encouragement of the Nantucket Civic League Executive Committee, I decided to, to found Nantucket Lights and uh, just went about... Uh, finding people who would be on an advisory committee and help me get organized, finding somebody to um, serve as a treasurer um, and, and as a vice president so we could incorporate. And so that uh, I did that last, uh, last June. So we're, we're kind of a baby organization. And so 
I know that you've also been working with the International Dark Skies, right? And how do they fit into the picture? And how do we fit into their picture? And, and how does that work? I think you're referring to the International Dark Sky Association known as IDA. Correct. Correct. And yes, they are um, they're a global organization dedicated to combating light pollution all over the world. They're headquartered in Tucson, but they have uh, chapters all around the world. And there's one in Massachusetts. So when I was first trying to get up to speed on all the issues that are involved in light pollution, I reached out to that group and they've been mentoring me ever since. Huge help. And then the international organization, they have a whole help each other. So Nantucket Lights, we're not an official chapter because we're just in one, you know, they only do it by in states and countries. Um, And so Nantucket Lights is independent of IDA because we're, we're focused strictly on Nantucket issues. Uh, But we get, we sure get a lot of support from IDA as an organization and fellow ID, uh, dark sky advocates. Sure. And is there like a, a process that you go through, through which you, uh, you know, evaluate your community? Like that's a standard, like how do you determine like where you rank? How do you, how, how do you determine how, how you rank in terms of your dark skies? Is that what yeah. you mean, Jail? Right. Um, they don't do that anymore. So they have uh, a program. It's called the International Dark Sky Places Program. It's a certification program, and there's different categories. And um, you can be uh, if you're a. I think there's International Dark Sky Parks, International Dark Sky Reserves, International Dark Sky Sanctuaries, and then there's a, a category called International Dark Sky Communities, which we could qualify. The, the whole island could qualify if we meet certain requirements. And they used to rank the different places in terms of darkness, but they stopped doing that actually a few years ago because they wanted to uh, encourage and reward communities who weren't necessarily the darkest, but still, you know, uh, they wanted them to preserve their dark skies. So I don't know where we would fit in. I, I know if, 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 <laughs> if we can um, meet all the requirements, and they're pretty stringent, um, and it might take a few years, but if we can meet all the requirements, uh, we would be the first uh, international dark sky place in Massachusetts. Uh, we'd be the first international dark sky community east of the Mississippi River. Um, there are other dark sky places, though. There's some in Maine. Um, there's, I think there's one in, um, uh, I think there's one in Pennsylvania. Um, but in terms of community, it's a little harder than if you were a park already because um, with a community, we have to deal with all the residential lighting, the street lighting, uh, the, the, the commercial lighting. So um, w- once we qualify, it'll be a big deal. And it's, it would be, it's, a, it's a roadmap to ensuring the preservation of our dark skies. But it doesn't mean we are the darkest by any means i mean you know we never will because we we have we have so much um, development here right but we can but we can certainly do a lot better than we are doing now and it's not it's not really hard to get there um it's just i have to i have to walk the community through a number of steps and uh, one of them is uh, revising the outdoor lighting bylaw um Nantucket already has a pretty good one, but it was adopted in 2005. It's out of date and it doesn't meet current dark sky standards. Um, so 
I'll be working on that this year with actually with some town officials and hope to have it up for a vote in the annual town meeting of 2023. And then once we do that, the, the other pieces hopefully will fall into place and maybe in a couple years will be certified. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that's very interesting. In terms of other, you know, dark sky communities in Massachusetts, there are others though, correct? No. No, we're the only one. We're the only ones seeking it at the moment. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Massachusetts actually as a state is pretty light polluted. Mm-hmm. Um, if you think about Boston and if you look at a light pollution map of of Boston and even the Cape, it's, you know, the, the pollution is just expanding. So Nantucket is, uh, uh, Nantucket's a little special because we're out, you know, we're 30 miles out to sea. We're a small island, uh, a, self, a sort of a self-contained community. We should be able to do this um, much easier than Massachusetts as a state, for example, or Boston, uh, you know, right. they do have a, they do have a special category for urban areas if they take certain steps to reverse their light pollution but they wouldn't expect the same from uh, Boston as they would from Nantucket as an island. Right. And you were just mentioning some other communities on the, in the East coast. I think you mentioned Maine. Are Maine. those, are those some of the darker skies? Like where, where yeah. who do we compare ourselves to or who can we compare ourselves to? Okay. So when Maine, they have dark, a dark sky park, maybe a dark sky reserve. So, that's more like a state park that doesn't have light, you know, a lot of light in it. So they, they are, they are the darkest on the East coast, as far as I know, or in the Northeast, Um, we would be comparing ourselves to other communities, meaning other, you know, townships um, and counties. Um, And like I said, IDA doesn't have a, um, a scale. Like I I don't know how to compare, but um, we, if we could do as great as um, Tucson, Arizona, we were doing really, really well. Um, but I, I really can't tell you uh, who's the next darkest. I know we are one of the darkest on the East Coast, even still, and that's what we're trying to preserve. Yes, of course. So what do you think, um, aside from working with the town on some of our zoning bylaws, what, what do you think are some of the other important steps that we can take? Oh, so much. Um, so I, I, I kind of, you have to divide it, I put in three groups. I mean, there's uh, just residential lighting that mm-hmm. we all, you know, all homeowners can do something about. They don't need to wait for the town to do anything. Like every, everybody who owns a home should look at their own lighting and um, try to apply uh, what's called the five principles uh, for responsible outdoor lighting just to make sure they're complying with those with their own property. And that might mean um, changing the the light fixtures from, you know, if they have some light fixtures that aren't shielded and the light is going up, you know, out and into the sky, you know, replacing them with um, a a shielded fixture or um, at least a, a light bulb that has shielded. It might mean taking some lights out. I mean, one of the principles is not having light where you don't need it. Sometimes people install lighting just because they think it's pretty. And I used to be like that. You know, I used to think that the landscape lighting, lighting up the trees was pretty because, you know, I like trees. <laughs> but now that I've learned so much about it, when I see it, I'm just, I, I, I don't find it pretty at all. 
Um, so one of the first things you need to do is look at whether you even need any light. And then is it on only when you need it? Maybe you could um, have it off most of the night and uh, still serve your purposes. Maybe you could have it on a motion time sen uh, motion sensor if, if, if it's a security light and you're worried about <coughs> intruders. But, it, you know, you could have a motion sensor where it only comes on if somebody's there. Um, and if you're using LED lights, uh, a really key thing is to look at the color temperature you're using. Because when LEDs first came out, um, the, the, the big pitch was uh, lighter, whiter, lighter was better. And they have found that that's so harmful to wildlife and also to human health. And it also creates glare. So it's a safety issue. Um, so you look at the color temperature, maybe you replace the, the bulb itself. Um, so there's, anyway, residential homeowners um, can do a lot just themselves. Uh, that's one of the hardest uh, things to tackle, though, for us is just how do you communicate to all those homeowners? Like if I could have a one-to-one -one conversation with every homeowner, like I've done practically in, in Sconset, I'm pretty sure people would be on board. But it's, it's because a lot of people do things without realizing the harm. And once they realize the harm, they want to do the right thing. Mm -hmm. um, but you have residential lighting, you have um, the uh, commercial lighting, and that's a, that's a little easier to tackle because we have a limited number of businesses, and I can just go around the island, and you know, you just with your eye, you can see lighting that is on when it's not needed or too bright. So I'll be talking to those um, business owners, and then you have the whole um, category of the municipal lighting, and. I haven't uh, I haven't inventoried all the town owned lighting yet, but I know I've seen some that seems excessive or doesn't comply with the principles. Um, but one of the battles we're trying to fight is with Nantucket Public Schools, and um, there's been some media about that. Um, the pushback from the schools has been, and somewhat typical, is that they can't reduce their lighting because it would make uh, their premises less safe for their staff and students, which is actually not true. It can be done in a way uh, and still maintain safety. So I have, I have some work to do with them. I'm still optimistic that they'll come around. Um, but if we can reach all those groups and everybody makes uh, some changes, um, and it's not hard changes to make, they're not usually expensive changes to make, um, we'll, we'll, have to, we'll have to show some improvement in all those areas to be able to uh, comply with or to, to meet the certification requirements for international dark sky community. Sure, sure. Well, that makes sense. Well, one of the um, parallels I was going to draw with Tucson is that they also have an observatory, right? They have a very famous mm. observatory called Kitt Peak. And we have um, our observatories here on Nantucket, which are a, two of really 20 in the state of Massachusetts. And Nantucket is one of the last places that you can see um, the Milky Way with the bare eye, right? Naked eye, I guess is the proper term. And so I think mm -hmm. that when people start to really understand that that is how light pollution affects your experience of the evening sky, it's pretty powerful. Right, because certainly if you come up to the Lloyd's Observatory and you look, you can see the Milky Way. Yeah, well, most of the world can't see the Milky Way anymore. So we are special. Yeah. And um, I know Mariah Mitchell observatories are revered here. I mean, it's an important part of Nantucket culture um, and heritage. So 
I think tying those two together to explain that light pollution is not only affecting um, our individual ability to, to enjoy the stars, but your, your research, um, I think that will hopefully spur some people on to do the right thing. Yes, yes. So <laughs> all of that being said, part of our goal in working with you and partnering with you, and I think we've got a couple of interesting things happening, is to get more people to the observatory to count the stars, right, as part of this effort, to see the Milky Way, but also to understand the impact of light pollution. And we've just embarked on a partnership where we're working with light meters and we're going to really benchmark the darkness of the sky in Nantucket. So we're, we're excited about this data collection that we're going to do this summer. Do you want to comment on that? Yes. And I want to thank you again for partnering with us on that and buying us the, the, the meters. So I, I mentioned Nantucket Star Count. That's where we're trying to collect data based on observations by people with their naked eye uh, all over the island. So we can get a lot of data points. But obviously, we can't do that all the time. I mean, that's the big ask. So um, we are going to, uh, with you, what you're referring to is start a, uh, an official uh, sky quality monitoring program using uh, light meters that you hold up and it, and it, um, measure, it gives a measurement of how bright the, the sky is. And this will all be uh, kept in a database. We're going to do it uh, four times a year. It'll, the initial year will be, um, this uh, first year will serve as a benchmark. And then after that, it'll be a way to judge if, if light pollution is getting worse or if our efforts are making a difference and it's getting better. It's, um, it's, it's something we would do uh, regardless because of that reason we want to know mm -hmm. where we need to focus our efforts, if our efforts are making any difference, but it's also a requirement of the dark sky places community, the dark sky international dark sky community program we were mentioning before. So to be certified, you have to have such a program and it has to have collected data for a number of years. So. We are going to start that uh, where we uh, are going to be taking measurements in on eight different places in the island. And it's a mix of uh, places where it's still dark, very dark in some of the conservation area, where it's relatively dark on some of the uh, ends of the island. And then mid-island in town where the light pollution is the worst. And uh, we have um, some wonderful volunteers who have stepped up, uh, year-rounders who, you know, four times a year will we'll send out a call, okay, tonight's the night, you need to go out and hold up your meter and report what you see on the meter. Um, and uh, I'm excited to get that started. And thank you again for, for funding and, and coordinating with us on that. You're very welcome. I think it's a, an important thing for us to benchmark um, because just in the last couple of minutes here, we will soon have another development in the night skies here, and that will be the wind farm that's being developed off the coast. And certainly the construction and the lighting of that will impact the night sky here significantly. So actually benchmarking how dark the skies are right now is a really critical step in, in measuring the impact to the island. Yeah, so. one of the places we chose was um, on the south shore, so it, it'll capture any change made from yes. that project. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Well, Gail, it has been a complete pleasure to chat with you about all of this. I know it will not be our last conversation <laughs> and I want to encourage all of our listeners um, over the course of the next week to get out and count the stars. And I know that they can tell, tell them where they can go to learn more about this effort. Yes. Good point. So 
if you go to Nantucket Lights um, website, it's nantucketlights.org, um, and under a tab called Act uh, Light Pollution, you'll see um, a link to Nantucket Star Count. And that includes all the information you need, some um, step-by-step instructions that you can download. It's uh, a pretty easy process. It's a great thing to do with um, kids. Um, your whole family can do it. You can do it. Uh, we would love it if you did it more than one night, but if you did it just one night, it would be great. Uh, we, again, are trying to collect data from all over the island. So uh, tell your friends, spread the word, help us out. Great. All right. Thank you. I'm Joanna Roach. I'm with the Mariah Mitchell Association. I'm speaking with Gail Walker of Nantucket Lights, and our podcast is called The Nature of Nantucket. Thanks for joining us.